Publish Her Podcast, Episode 63. Welcome to another episode in the second season of the Publish Her Podcast. I'm Alexa Bigwarf, and today I'm really pleased to bring you Jen Milius, a developmental editor. We dig into all the things about working with a developmental editor, when it's time to find one, why you need one, how you work with one, all of those things. But first, I just want to remind you, if you haven't had a chance to check out what's happening soon, make sure you head over to womeninpublishingsummit.com forward slash events. We'll be kicking off our annual program, Book Launch in a Box, our deep dive into all the marketing steps that you need to take prior to, during, and post-launch to grow your audience, to get those reviews, to find readers, all of the things. So make sure you check out that on the calendar as well. The cart closes on June 6th. So if you've hit us after that point in time, hopefully you can join us next year or in one of our upcoming events that focus on marketing. All right, I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been And I felt what you're feeling And I don't wanna get in your way Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of the Publisher Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about um, a fun topic to me right now because I am in the throes of it right now, and that is developmental editing. So, you know, we've talked a lot about different types of editing and talked to editors and things like that, but I've never actually gone through a developmental edit myself because most of my uh, nonfiction books have have basically just needed. Um, overall copy editing, line editing, things like that. So this is a whole new fun, fun journey for me. So I'm here with Jennifer Milius, who is an entrepreneur, developmental editor, coach, and accomplished author, having published seven children's titles in the Einstein and Moo series, and most recently co-authored, You Know It's a Verb, right? Which blends personal development, business, and leadership tenets. Jen believes that each of us have something special to offer, but sometimes it takes a leap of faith to be willing to share that gift. Yet, when people are doing what they love, there's a joy that they radiate. That is so true. Tapping into your full potential means that joy, purpose, and possibility is coming together through you. Jen leverages her 20-year corporate career, undergraduate communications degree, and master in business administration to help writers and aspiring authors get out of their own way and leave a legacy by telling their stories, through writing their own books, and confidently sharing them with others. She enjoys spending time with her family, doing yoga, creating delicious food in the kitchen, visiting school to share her love and knowledge about writing and listening to music. And we will post her website and our um, information and, and her uh, links that she sent over in our show notes, but it's jennifermilius.com or you can connect on all the places um, under her name, author Jen Milius. So, and author Jennifer Milius, on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, so we connected through the summit, basically. I believe you came in and were part of the summit and then invited me to be on your podcast, which we recorded just a few weeks ago. And we just had such a blast. And we started talking about um, the topics of, well, I started picking her brain because I was like, I'm to the point where I need to figure out what's my next step with the novel that I've been working on for what feels like all of my life. And, um, and we, and we also started digging into 
some deeper topics about like imposter syndrome and how scary this is for me making the transition from nonfiction to fiction and putting out my first book um, and, you know, all of those types of things. So we were like, this is what we should talk about. So welcome. Longest intro, intro ever. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you, Alexa. Well, I'm happy to have you. And, um, you know, we, we should have recorded our conversation. We talked everybody for <laughs> 35 minutes before we started recording this podcast. So we probably should have recorded that because it was a darn good conversation, but, um, you know, really talking about, well, first of all, why don't you tell everybody what developmental editing is, because it can get confusing between the different types of editing. Well, Okay, so to start, developmental editing is really looking at the big picture. So as it relates to nonfiction, what I'm doing is looking at the messaging, for instance. So in nonfiction, I see the person writing the book, the author is taking the reader on a journey to solve a problem. The reader has picked up this book with the intention of saying, this book might be a solution to a problem I'm having. So they're kind of a hero in that journey. And I'm looking at the messaging, is that happening? Are the stories that are a part of this nonfiction book aligning to those themes, aligning to that messaging? Is there an arc? And I say an arc, meaning when you pick up that book and you start that nonfiction read, by the end, do you see that transformation? Mm -hmm. Even if it's a mindset shift, even if it's just saying, there's some actionable things I can go and do because I've read this book and it takes me just that much closer to where I'm trying to go. That's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for and say, is it connecting back? Or you've said, this is the audience I'm trying to reach. Are you actually reaching that audience? When it comes to fiction, what I'm reading for are plot development. So plot holes, plot gaps. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to break things basically, like what's not working to help you build a stronger story. Character development. I'm looking for you to show me things, not just tell me things. Mm -hmm pacing. So is it moving too fast? Is it moving too slow? What do we need to do to make some shifts in there? So, and, and also really aligning to your reader as well. So are we connecting with the reader that you are trying to connect with is this for the story? Because I see books as forms of transformations and escapes. Mm -hmm. Nonfiction is escaping a mindset, escaping the problem and that transformation to help get to that better space, solving that problem. But in fiction, it's an escape for you're a release for just enjoyment, even entertainment. So different, so different solutions. Yeah. Well, I'm, I can tell you everyone from the conversation that we just had, you are obviously very good at your job. I mean, you read three chapters of my book and somehow have managed to understand exactly what I'm trying to accomplish with my book, which really makes me emotional for some reason, all of a sudden. <laughs> But, but um, yeah, I mean, it was your feedback was, was right. I mean, it, it was good. Like, like yes. you could tell what I was missing to make me get to what I was trying to achieve. And I think that's a really, you know, to have that level of, of insight into what a story is trying to do, I think is a really powerful, a powerful tool, but um, what I'm just curious, where do you prefer? Do you prefer the fiction or the nonfiction? Do you prefer getting lost in fiction stories or do you like them both? I love both. I real I love both because nonfiction I really enjoy because I, I see that writers having a heart of, of being a servant. They want to be 
helping other people. And I'm like that. I have fiction. I have a nonfiction book, but in the same breath, I like fiction. I love reading fiction. That's mm-hmm. a lot of times what I'm reading or listening to just that's something that's on my phone. <laughs> a lot of times if it's an audio book, I'll pick any of those. So yeah, I, I like any of it. If it speaks to me, if I think that I will be able to add value, then I'm interested in it. If I don't think that I'm going to be the right fit, I I'll tell you that I'm not. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because the whole conversation, I think the reason that we decided to do a part two of our conversation over on my podcast was because I made some, I made a comment about nonfiction writers, not really needing developmental editing because, and then you opened my eyes to why they would. And I think, you know, it's, there's, there's very different types of nonfiction books. You know, there's very prescriptive books. There's very, you know, some, some things like that. So, but I had never really thought about nonfiction books wanting that, but you're right with those stories that you really need to see the transformation. You really need to understand it. I mean, how many times have we picked up a self-help book or a nonfiction book and, and didn't feel like we learned anything at the end of it, or didn't feel like there was anything there. So if you're a nonfiction writer, there's a good chance you may want to consider a developmental edit before you go into copy and line edit. Because one thing you didn't say, but that, that anybody who's worked at different levels of editing is that you don't most, you have your lanes that you stay in. And you told me you might pick up some things on, on the writing craft or the, or um, editing grammar and stuff like that, just if it pops out at you, but for the most part, you're staying away from that. Well, the same with copy and line editors, they're not looking at whether or not it all gels, they're looking at if the <laughs> sentence was crafted properly and, you know, if the comma was in the right place or those types of things. Yeah, exactly. And even with a, a book proposal, that's something to consider mm. too, because really it's, it is a different form of writing in the sense that now you're putting on a marketing hat, you're putting on a different business, yeah. a business hat, really. Right. So it is a different way to write about this thing that you just created from a creative space. But in the same breath, by having somebody else look at it to help you see the bigger picture, is it still aligning to the, the story, the messaging, the, the selection that you've given, whether it's fiction and it's so many pages, or it's an outline and, and chapter summaries, and then the first couple of chapters for nonfiction, you still want to have a, a clean and a great representation of what you're about. So having somebody else as a part of that is also helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, okay. So how did you become a developmental editor with all of these, (laughs) with your background where it is, you know, how did this wind up? And you're also a children's book author. So how did all of this come about? Well, I am someone who, you know, whenever I would write papers, I was the kid who would have the dictionary open and say, that looks like a good word to weave into this paper. I have no idea what it means, but I'll figure it out and I will weave it in. I was the kid who would pick an essay over a standardized test any day of the week because I just preferred that. I love reading. I like writing. Journaling to me is cathartic. It helps me to anything that I can do with my a piece of paper and a pencil. It helps me to kind of process. So I've always liked that. And when I went to undergraduate school, I was looking at different paths and my mom had recommended, Hey, why don't you think about communications? You, I know you really were thinking about English. You'd really like that, but what do you think about communications? It just might be a different type of building block for you. And so my undergrad is in journalism with an emphasis in public relations. And those really helped to 
hone writing and mm-hmm. the, the specificity of the words and how you construct mm-hmm. and organize thoughts. And that those two, those classes were invaluable. There were two in particular, I felt like really were instrumental in the big picture. One of which was the news ed course that I took where my professor came in every day and said, this is who I am. I'm such and such. And you were the reporter getting the story, learning how to write in journalistic fashion. You edited your own work. And by the way, if you pick the wrong word, you're losing letter grades and big points. And so it created a lot of pressure, (laughs) but it was a really great way to understand this is what this environment would be. And then the other course was a book publishing course. And I just fell in love with it. I just could feel my heart sing and I was excited. So the very first job that I got out of you know, graduating from undergrad, one of the jobs I had was actually at a publishing company, but uh-huh. it was more with data, not necessarily <laughs> with words in this way. It was really about helping people get their data in and out of the company to create the directories. But I loved every minute of it. And I saw myself as a conduit to help them help that bridge, help that happen. And from there, I went to a heavy manufacturing place. And really that background was all about communications and employee engagement and recognizing people and helping bring strategic visions to life. So I had a VP one time tell me, you have the ability to hear the big picture and just, and with a few pieces and then come up with an actual executable plan. And was like, Thanks. I appreciate it. (laughs) That was really cool. And so I tended to gravitate to things that were like that. I could do like the detail type of pieces and I would see those and call them out, but I still liked the big picture, the strategic thinking, those kind of things were just fun to me. Mm -hmm. So I got a master's in business. And from there, when I had decided to write my children's books, it just kind of happened. Mm -hmm. It was They were actually poems that I wrote because I was inspired by watching our two tuxedo kitties and I would envision them actually having little conversations like there is a leaf on my back porch and what is it doing there? It's sketchy. It keeps moving around and you would hear our kitties like like, talk to it. So I decided they were having conversations and wrote poems that rhyme with have the rhyme and beat just like a Dr. Seuss book. And i that's how they kind of got started. And from there I did speaking, I involved a form of coaching in my business and all the while with editing, I was the person in school who would help other people with their papers. In my master's program, we had to turn in uh, like a cohort where we were put together. So you have five people, different time zones, different backgrounds and everything. And we had to turn in a paper where it's one paper one voice, one grade. Oh, wow. All five people. And when we did a SWOT analysis, so what are your strengths, weeks, opportunities, and threats? Because, you know, we're business people, right? Right, so, right. <laughs> so all my teammates would say, well, I can research and I can write, but I'm not so great on organizing and editing is not my thing. I'm like, I can do all of those things. I'll just be the editor for the group. So we came up with a rhythm that worked and I I was the editor and I would sit with people all throughout my corporate background, looking at things going, this isn't the way we want to communicate this message. Let's change this. What about this? And let's try it this way. This will help with this piece or how to package that information so that you could drive that vision forward. Cause it's about buy-in. So that's 
where it started to come in. Now, as it relates to the books, I had started out as a beta reader for Mm -hmm. a friend of mine in particular, but I was a beta reader for different people. And then I was told I really wasn't necessarily a very good beta reader because I would go into a lot more detail. (laughs) But what was funny was that I, um, initially with the beta reader, I told the the friend who had asked me, I was like, I don't really like the term beta. That feels a little boring. They're beta fish. They're a lot more fun. I would like to be a fish. You can feed me with a chapter every time. And so I would send her ridiculous gifs when I was ready for the next chapter of saying, feed me, I'm hungry kind of thing. (laughs) And so at the end, she ended up joking me saying, well, you're one tough fish because whenever I gave feedback, it was more in the developmental space. It was more about developing characters and finding those problems and actually offering the solutions in them versus just saying, hey, that's great. Or, hey, we need more. No, I would actually offer solutions in there too, because I felt like that's also what you were asking of me, where only did I learn after the fact that might not have been exactly the way the beta part worked, but that's where I realized that's really where my love is. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it came out. <laughs> I love it. And I'm sorry. I think I said two fish pod, pod, podcast okay. earlier instead of tough fish. Oh, my brain. It's all good. It's all <laughs> the good. Tough fish, the tough fish podcast. <laughs> I love, I love the origination story of that. That's, that's a lot of fun. Um, okay. So at what point in time, you know, you've got someone working on their book, at what point in time do they need to reach out to the developmental editor? Do they wait until it's all done? Do they do it while they're writing? Um, where's, when's the best part to engage? I think when you realize that you need help, first mm-hmm. off, like, so for instance, maybe you've had beta readers go through and you realize that you need something more and you need more help in the scenes. It's not just necessarily all the big picture always as much as you know that something's not working in the different scenes and you you need another set of eyes. That's one way. But I actually have several clients who said, I know I want to write a book and here's what I've written so far. I haven't finished it yet. And can we work together? And so I'll do a sample edit. I'll give them the feedback if it feels like it works. Then we just work out a longer time frame. Mm-hmm. And then what I also advise is if that's how we're going to work, that I suggest they get some coaching elements from me in that too. So we can talk through stuff that comes mm-hmm. up. And what I also suggest is let's get for, through the first round. And before you send it back to me, I want you to go through ba- some beta readers. I want you to incorporate, do what you need to do with the first round. And I want you to incorporate some beta feedback and then get me the second round because you're going to get a lot more feedback and it will give you a better result if you do that. So that's how I help people in their different stages, depending upon where it is. You know, um, so there are lots of, uh, I think that when they talk about finding the right editor for you, I think that having a, a, a person-to-person conversation is really, really important because um, when you're getting into developmental editing, where you're really getting into the, the, the heart of the story and all of those types of things, like you have to know that you gel well with the person and that you can have a conversation and that you know, they're one of the things that really attracted me to you for developmental editing is the fact that we both remember what it was like to be 
teens and twenties and the nineties, you know, having that, like that shared experience. Cause that's when my book is set is late, late 1990s. And they're in their early twenties. So having somebody who remembers what that was like, having those shared experiences, knowing those types of things. I mean, not to say every editor has to have shared experiences with you, but at least have a, a feeling and a vibe and an understanding of what you're trying to do. And just, I know that there's probably going to be some tough feedback coming along. So it needs to be from somebody that, that I can handle it from, or that I get along with, or that the way you speak to me is something that's not going to shut me down. Cause that's also important too. Like people, people talk differently to each other and, and you receive differently from people. So all that very long-winded thing to say is if there's ever a time to like, really, you know, you can get quotes from a lot of people, but I was just thinking as you were talking about how important it is to actually have either a Zoom conversation or a phone conversation with that person you're thinking about hiring to do developmental um, editing, because it's going to be a very close relationship. (laughs) No, I agree. Actually, that's what I offer at the onset when someone reaches out and says, Hey, you know, how do I go about working with you or finding out if you might be my person for developmental editing? I'm like, great. This is what I, this is kind of how I work, but I'm happy to do a chat. I'm happy to do a sample, but I prefer the chat. I definitely want the chat Mm -hmm. because the reason I want the chat first than the sample is because we'll figure out on the call, like to your point, that vibe, how does that feel? But the mm-hmm. other side to that too, is that I want to hear from you what the vision is as you're talking about it versus just me reading and seeing it written in the email. Yeah, I can do it from that, but listening to you talk about it, I'm picking up other things other than just simply what you wrote. I'm listening for other nuances mm-hmm. that now give me more insight to help make sure that I know what you're looking for or what some other things to consider. And To me, I think that that one-on-one chat, that discovery call, if you will, that consult is so important. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons I love offering that, you know, and I think that that's important. And when I believe that we'll be a good fit, I'll say like, I'm happy to hop on another call with you if you have other questions, or if you want to talk about the next step kind of thing. But I look at it like it is a form, it is a very close relationship. It's not just a matter of saying, Yes, you can, you know where to punctuate something. And that's important. Please yeah. don't say yeah. that. That right. is so sure. important. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, but in this kind of thing, you're right. You know, the way that feedback is delivered, someone else might take it and go, yeah, I can't handle it from that person, but I can mm-hmm. handle it from this person. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. What the sample edit and what the consult do is that they enable a form of an interview. Mm-hmm. It's just as important for the author to say, hey, is this the right fit? Can I handle this? As the editor saying, am I going to do, is this a project that I think I can do well in and I'll add value in. So it's equally important. And you should, if at least in my opinion, I think it's great to, to have, I, I love that. Yeah, no, I think it's good. And it's funny because I mean, you just, we were doing a podcast interview. I wasn't even looking for a developmental editor at the time, but just through our (laughs) conversation, like it just, it wound up to be a good fit. So sometimes right place, right time. Um, and I'm excited about working with you, but one of the other, thank you. One (laughs) of the other things that we talked about that I think is really, really important. And this goes across all genres. And it's something that we've discussed multiple times throughout different um, things in the summit and webinars and things like that. And is imposter syndrome. And I'm feeling imposter syndrome hard right now. You know, I've been reading all of these books 
And um, I read a really, really good, a really good rom-com the other, not, not the other day. And I'm not a fast enough reader to read a book in a day, but over the past couple of weeks, and all of a sudden, like I was feeling really good about my book and where my story was going. And then I read this book and I was like, I am not a real writer. <laughs> no. So you mentioned that you, you often help your clients with this, this feeling. And it's kind of ironic because I often help people on the, on the front side of, or on the next side of it. Like I tell people, of course you can publish a book. You know, there's nothing to be afraid of ditch the fear. We can do this. I can help you do it. But now like, I'm like, ah, so let's talk about it. Sounds good. Now I can tell you that everyone like, runs into something like that. So to your point, you're helping people in a different, in a different phase of the mm -hmm. publishing path, but in the same breath, it's their book, it's their journey where you are the, essentially that guide, that outsider, that objective person who cares about them and cares about their success. Mm -hmm. So of course it's a little bit easier, but when we turn it on ourselves, it's just a little bit harder to do. And when you're trying something different, when you have that new level, if you will, new challenges show up and you're kind of going, oh, I thought I dealt with that. I guess I have a, another round of that to go because it's kind of getting to me. But in mm -hmm. the same breath, what got you here was the very types of courage that you've already demonstrated. And courage doesn't, ha confidence doesn't happen just because you say, I am confident I can do it. It's because- I did my taken... superwoman pose and- <laughs> Right, now those things help, but you have to take action right. to do that. You have to take the action. So if that means literally standing in front of the mirror doing like I am statements and shoulders back and remembering those things, then by all means do them because- those type of things, although might be small, they are powerful and they help. But you would, I believe that you wouldn't have been given this story to write if it wasn't, if you weren't the right person to share it. <laughs> and I genuinely believe that in my heart of hearts and whether or not it's that idea and just getting it off out of your head and onto a sheet of paper so that the sheet of paper is not blank anymore, or it's after the first round and you've said, okay, what work do I need to do? Or you have a draft and you're like, oh my gosh, now you want me to do what? You want me to get it published? Or my next, my favorite part is when it's like, so I've gotten this book. Oh wait, you want me to talk about that? Yeah, <laughs> you can do it. But, but when you think about it in the sense of you're sharing something that you love, mm -hmm. you're sharing something you're excited about, it changes it. It doesn't feel as scary because you're excited about it and you, you love this. Yeah. I absolutely love the way that you phrase that saying that you were given the gift to tell this story for, I don't know, something like shifted in my head when you said that, that not everybody is given the same story and that, that right. I just, I, I, I love that mindset frame around it. Good, I, bad, I or ugly. <laughs> yeah. I genuinely believe that. Like for instance, with my own works, for instance, with my children's picture books, I've had people that, for instance, there's not punctuation in them, except for when the kitties speak. <laughs> it is a creative decision to do that. But in the same breath, there are some who have, I have been at book signings where someone's picked up the book and looked at me and said, there's no punctuation. How is this supposed to educate a young reader? And 
you're right. That could be a discouragement for someone and that's okay that it is. But to me, then that means that book isn't for that person. This book is for very young readers. So these children are, are more so being read too. These are picture books. So a little, little, little one, so zero (laughs) up until maybe like second grade. And then maybe the second, third grader might be practicing and reading to younger siblings. Mm -hmm. So to me, this, the books are really about love. It's about repetition. It's about rhyme. Mm -hmm. It's about connecting and seeing pictures and the love of an animal Mm -hmm. and, and the rhyme and the beat help them to learn and grow. And there's themes with them. So Mm -hmm. it's a different intention but the book isn't for everyone. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. And I'm glad that it's not for everyone because the right people will find it just like with the nonfiction book. I mean, I know it's a little cheeky topic or a little (laughs) name for it, but my co-author and I looked at that it's leadership. So we believe leadership is something where it's not just your one and done. You show up every day, every moment you're showing up and you it's something you do. It's something that you don't just get to say, I'm done. I've, I've done it for today. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you got to keep going and growing in it. That's an excellent point. Oh, well, as always, it is always fun to speak with you. And um, man, we've been talking together for over an hour now, even though only about 30 minutes of that has been recorded. But um, I, I'm excited to share you with my audience. And you bring a very uh, enthusiastic and and optimistic uh, perspective to all of these things. So thank you for that. Thank you for making me feel better about my project and for encouraging me. And um, I'm excited. It's truly an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. So tell everybody once more where they can find you because they're all probably wanting to work with you now. So I am at, uh, so my website's jennifermilius.com and it's M-I-L-I-U-S. I primarily hang out in Instagram and author Jennifer Milius and I'm in LinkedIn at Jennifer Milius, uh, but I'm on Facebook periodically, but LinkedIn's kind of one of my favorites. So I'm pretty much in there, uh, all right. but author Jennifer Milius. Very, very good. Thank you so much for all your great insights and information today. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.